Good morning. Come on, good morning. Act like you missed me. God bless, God bless, God bless. Amen. I see everybody got their coffee, got their little munchies, get comfortable. Amen. Let's press in. Let's press in for a minute. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that your word needs nothing. It's fully equipped. It's fully anointed. It's fully loaded, Lord God. So, Father, we just ask that you would prepare us to be good ground today, God. To be ready to share, to listen, to hear, God, and to act in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm excited to get to the end. I'm just I, like, I wish I did it already. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this word. I, I, I really pray. Anyway, let's just start. Smith Wigglesworth says, the power of God will take you out of your own plans and put you into his. Power of God will take us out of our own plans and put us into his. And that's that's my prayer today. That's my challenge today. I want to get out of my own plans and get into his. Amen? So like, like Mark was sharing, this time of the year, we always think about as a church body, we start, this is kind of like our end of the year, the summer, and then in September, things start up again. That's kind of how the, the, the church calendar works. And so at this time of the year, I'm always thinking, you know, where we should be, where we need to be, what do we need to be doing? And we've come through a lot this year. Somebody say amen. It's been a great transition. There are rooms missing. There's, there's uh, uh, more chairs. There's more space available. Yeah, there's a lot. It's clear that God's not finished yet. Amen? Next door, if you, I invite you to take a quick tour if you want afterwards. The, the mudding is going up. The walls are all done. The ceilings are all done. The electric is all done. The plumbing is pretty much all done. There's, oh man, it, it, it's exciting. But it's clear that there is, that God's not finished yet. Amen? When we look at our own lives and our spiritual walk, it's easy to see that God's not finished yet. Right? I know some, sometimes we use that as an excuse to stay doing things that God already spoke to us about. I hear it all the time. Well, God's still working, brother. Excuse my French. You Puerto Rican, bro. I don't know where you're coming with that French. And there's things that you already know that God already dealt with your heart about. This, amen? Come on. Sometimes we're always seeking, and, and, and this, this makes, us, makes me crazy, but, but I, I fall in, we, we're guilty, you know, we're, sometimes we're always seeking the next word, we're always seeking that prophetic voice to give us a fresh word, we, we want to seek out uh, uh, multiple Bible studies, we want to seek out new worship teams and churches, and, and we want to seek fresh anointing, and, and I don't have a problem with any of that. The problem I have is when we're stepping out Are we stepping out in the word we already got? Oh, oh, it's going to be quiet this morning? (laughs) Are 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 we already doing something under the present anointing that we're asking God for fresh anointing? Are we, are we so burnt? Are we so using the anointing that we're under already that we need more? 
All too often we want a new word and a fresh anointing, but we haven't stepped into what we've already been given. Come on. We haven't used his word or his anointing on his plan. We're just going through the motions, not doing anything. The other day I was, uh, I was watching some MMA fighting. Uh, don't judge. Right? I, I was in a friend's house. We were watching some MMA fights. And um, some of the fights are crazy, right? There's like the takedowns and the, the grapple and the, and the submissions and the ground and pound. And, you know, some of the fights are crazy. Some of them are so boring. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> because it's usually that one fighter that doesn't want to take a chance. He, he doesn't want to risk uh, uh, he didn't want to take any risk. He doesn't want to be caught out there and risk getting t- having a takedown. Or, or he doesn't want to risk getting knocked out. And so he's just dancing the whole time. The whole time. This way. The whole time. And once in a while he put out his hand just to, to make sure. And you think, well, he's measuring the distance. Boy, he's getting ready to load this one. He got this one loaded. He's, he's just measuring them. He's measuring. But, but you watch and you watch and nothing ever happens. So all he wants to do is to make sure that he's close enough to the fighter so that he's in a fight. But he doesn't really want to do nothing. Hmm. He wants to be close enough to the other fighter to be actually in the fight, but not close enough to really do anything. These, these regular fights are three rounds, five minutes each. Now, five minutes is a long time to dance around and avoid getting punched in the face. That's a long time. Five minutes is not a long time when you're the one trying to make something happen. Oh, come on. Come on. Five minutes is not that long when you're the one that's trying to make something happen. When you're in the ring with someone who wants to be in the fight but isn't fighting. I was thinking, that's a lot like the church sometimes. We want to say we're in the battle. We, wanna, we, we want people to see us in the ring. We've had some training. We've had some experience. But we're not trying to do anything. We don't want to risk getting knocked down. We don't want to get, get pinned and have to wrestle for a victory. We don't want to fight our way out of a hole that we can get stuck in. I want to talk to the body of Christ today. I want to talk to church members today, to Christ followers. And I want to ask you, what are you doing with your five minutes? If you're just visiting today and you're just checking the church thing out, remember when you were kids? And your friends' parents were going in on them? That's you today. <laughs> You're not in trouble. God is not mad at you. I want you to enjoy this. And if there's a takeaway from this for you, let it be that the church does not celebrate its hypocrites. I know you've been told the church is full of hypocrites, and that's true, but we're not happy about that. Amen? Nobody in here gets it right all the time. Let's just make it clear. Like a, like a good parent, God corrects those he loves. Can somebody say amen? God stirs us to action. He takes us out of our plans and brings us into his plans, and his plans are good. His plans are to prosper us, and that doesn't mean he wants to make us rich. That means he wants to make us purposeful. 
That means he wants to make us useful. He wants to make us productive. Ephesians 2.10 says, we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand for us to walk in. That's everybody. That's not for pastors and evangelists and deacons. That's for everybody in this room. God created you to do something. In the scheme of eternity, our entire lives here on this earth are like three five-minute rounds. Oh, I'm going to give you a picture that's going to last. They're like three five-minute rounds. If the average person lives 190, let's say 1 to 30 is round 1, 30 to 60 is round 2, 60 to you're done is round 3. Whatever round you're in right now, are you just waiting for the decision? I looked at some of these fights, and, and it's funny because they're not doing nothing the whole thing, but when it comes to decision time, they're standing there like, and I'm thinking, I don't watch a lot of these, but you didn't do anything. What, what you excited about? What do you think? Why, you, why do you think you won? Do you really want the decision right now? So to illustrate this, I've chosen a passage of scripture because, you know, it's not about stories. We've got to get the word. Amen? <coughs> that... You might have heard this story before, but I want to focus on a different person in the story. Someone that maybe a lot of us will be able to identify with. The story is found in 1 Kings 17. Yeah, we're going Old Testament. Amen? I love the Old Testament. It's so rich in history and story. This is an awesome story. 1 Kings 17. Let me set it up for you so you can understand the context. The prophet Elijah shows up on the scene. Many times when when God is about to do something or when God is, is, is had enough with something and he wants to bring warning or he wants to give us a chance, he'll send a prophet. And the prophet will come and warn or, or, or tell everybody what's going to happen. You know, we look at the Old Testament and we say, man, God was harsh in the Old Testament. He'd wipe out entire. But, but if you really look at the Old Testament, he wasn't harsh. Because even when he came to wipe out, he had already given them a hundred years. How many of us have had a hundred years to get it right, right? So it's not that harsh. He's the same God of the Old Testament, same God in the New Testament. That's all about grace, same God. There's so much grace in the Old Testament. Don't, don't let nobody uh, play, with, play with the words and, and, and t- change it for you. So at this point, there had been many kings in Israel, and many of these kings have strayed from God, and they've done wrong before God, right? King Ahab now comes on the scene. He becomes the king, and the word says Ahab did Watch this, more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any king before him. Somebody say wicked. He did more evil in the eye. He marries Jezebel, this pagan priestess, and he devoted himself to the worship of her false gods. Single people, can I give you a tip? If you can't face the same way when you're worshiping, don't do it. I'll let you understand that later. You'll get it later. So Ahab not only worshipped her false gods, but he led God's people into more idolatry than ever before. He was setting up altars for, to, to Baal. He was setting up Asherah poles to honor, honor Baal's you know, side chick. And, and all, all, this, all this stuff going on, all this idolatry, and it provoked God. I, I, I don't know about you. I don't want to be in a place where I provoke God. 
And so we pick up the story in 1 Kings 17. The prophet Elijah comes on the scene and he comes to King Ahab. And I love this because Elijah's name means Yahweh is God. So his name is already throwing jabs. His name means Yahweh is God. So I, I imagine the introduction. Hi, uh, hi, your majesty, our King Ahab. How you doing? My name is my God is the only true God. Then he says this, he says, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. That's powerful. So Elijah goes to the wickedest king to date and he tells him first just by his name, Yahweh is the one true God. Just don't get it twisted. And then he tells him, God is going to hold back the rain until I say so. Now, why the rain? Remember when we were talking about God and, and uh, Moses and the plagues, how God sent the plagues to, 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 um, to directly attack all of their false gods? And every plague was attacked. Well, Baal is the same thing. In, in this situation, Baal worshippers believe that Baal was a storm god. So as a storm god, he controls the rain. So God is picking a fight here, not with Baal, because God knows Baal doesn't exist, but he's fighting with the false notion of their God. He's fighting with the idea that these people have put their trust and worship in. I, I don't know why God does this except that he loves us. Why does he bother to do things like this except that he loves us? We see it here and we've probably seen it in our own lives as well. He takes on the thought, the idol, the belief, the God or the no God that we set up in place of him and he chokes them out right in front of us. So that we would have truth and so that we would believe in the truth. Amen. So he says, if Baal controls the rain, tell him to make it rain now. Tell him to make it rain now. It's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. Amen. And so immediately after Elijah says this, God tells him, leave here. <laughs> leave. Okay, go. You, you did what I told you to do now. Get out. He says, go. Watch this. Go. Leave here, travel eastward, and hide out in the Kirith Valley near the Jordan. Obviously, they're going to try to kill him, right? Because people get upset when you tell them they're serving a false god. Anybody ever had that experience? People get upset when, when they say there's no god and you say there is a god. People get upset. Back then, they'll kill you for that. Maybe even today too, but... <clears throat> so Ahab and Jezebel, they're going to start looking for him because no matter what they do or no matter how much they pray, it ain't raining. And so there's a drought now in the land, and, and people are suffering, right? And, and it's making them look bad, because your God is the storm God, but you can't make it rain. What's going on? So God tells them to go here and drink from the stream. Look, check this out in 1 Kings 17. If you have your Bibles, check it out, because I could be making stuff up, and you would never know. So he tells them, go here and drink from the stream there. I've already told the ravens to bring you food. So God is, is, is preparing Elijah at this point. He's building up his faith by showing him that God could provide anything, anywhere, anytime. Somebody needs to hear that today. God could provide anything, anywhere, anytime. No, no. God could provide anything, anywhere, anytime. 
So the word says Elijah went and lived there and he drank from the stream and and each morning and evening the ravens would bring him bread and meat. Come on, that's not amazing. Ravens are scavengers. Ravens eat anything. They eat uh, a carcass. They eat, right? He made the raven, the unclean bird, bring him food every morning and every evening. Anyway, verse 7, after a while, the stream dried up because remember, it's not raining. So there's a drought. So the streams start to dry up because there's no rain, right? And so the Lord tells him, get up and go to Sarapheth. See, God won't leave you where there's no supply for you. Some people stay in dead places way too long. God won't leave you where there's no supply for you. He tells him, get up and go to Zarephath. Go and live there. I've already told a widow there to feed you. (laughs) This is awesome. I've told a widow there to feed you. So, see, when God calls us, he sees the whole picture. And so he sent him to the brook knowing that it's going to dry up and eventually he, but he feeds him with birds. See, what God is trying to do, when we step out, he's responsible for us. Do you get that? When we step out in God's plans, he's responsible. When we, when we go, he pays the tolls. When we, you understand? He, when, when we step out and what he tells us to do, we got God's easy pass. Wherever we go, it's covered. It's covered. It's covered. It's covered. He got it. So he's trying to build that up in Elijah because he's going to ask him to do some crazy things in the next chapter. And so he's building him up. And so he sends him now on a long journey. The uh, scholars say it's about 100 miles from where he is to where. So that's a long journey when you're in just chancletas, right? And, and so when he gets there, he tells him, I've already made arrangements for you. I've already spoken to someone there who's going to provide for you. So imagine now, Elijah's thinking, you brought me to this thing and and you have birds dropping Panera and Burger King, dropping different things to me every day. Like, man, Spanish food, you know, malecon, boom. And like, man, so so now he's thinking, now you're bringing me to this town and you've already spoken to a widow there that's going to provide for me. So the place he's sending him, though, the place that he sent them to, though, is where Jezebel is from. Say, that sounds a little dangerous. That's a little risky. These are the people of Baal. These are Baal's, you know, worshipers. These are the people that created um, um, Jezebel. And so he's, he's in the, the Baal-worshiping land of her fathers. So he gets there. Now, he has to be tired. He has to be exhausted, thirsty. And he's probably looking for this widow who's, like, really well off. He's probably, you know, he's expecting to see, you know, this, this Dominican lady that's Already got two panis in the oven and a mofongo getting ready to get in. Like, he's, he's expecting, you understand, probably, he's expecting. And so he gets there, and just as he enters the gate, this is God, the way God sets things up. How many, how many of you know God will set, when you run into somebody, it's not a coincidence. Amen? It's not a coincidence. When you run into, man, I haven't seen you in 100 years. Man, what's going on? It's not a coincidence. God sets things up. So as soon as he enters the gate of the city, there's a widow there gathering sticks. He goes, so he, he says to her, bring me a little water, please, in a vessel that I may drink because I'm thirsty. And so right away she goes to go do it. And he says, wait, 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 and bring me a morsel of bread too. Give me some bread too. 
This is what she says in verse 12. And she says, as the Lord your God lives. Understand, we're in a pagan country, Gentile woman. She says, as the Lord your God lives. So God's already dealing with this woman. She's not a Baal worshiper. She's trusting in the God of Israel, in in his God, right? So she says, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked. She she said, I got no penil in the oven. There's no more fungo getting ready. There's, There's nothing. She says, I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little bit of oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in, prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat and die. So the widow who God is using to feed the prophet has just confessed she has no food. How many got a problem with that? Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. God already talked to you, right? God told you I was coming, right? You met me at the gate, right? He told you you were going to feed me. You agreed with him that you would feed me, I guess. I'm, I'm guessing, you know, the word doesn't tell. But I'm guessing if God said I arranged it, that means he spoke to a widow. A widow said yes, and she's ready, but you got no food. Not only does she have no food, she, she's about to cook her last meal with the little that she has left and just wait to die. Say that depressing? So Elijah is bold at this point, though. Elijah is full of faith because he's already seen God feed him by a brook with ravens. You, you know, when, when God controls nature and does things that are out of the total natural, it builds up our faith. Somebody say amen. Right? When we see the supernatural in your life, you start believing differently. You start thinking differently. So, so he's full of faith at this time. When, when, so he, your faith starts to get built up. And that's the point, actually, of some of our battles. That's the strategy of many of our struggles that we find ourselves in. God brings us into the ring to show us what he can do and to build up our faith. I don't know if you guys remember, but we were locked out of our building here for six months. Six months, we were locked out, empty building, paying mortgage and paying this and paying violations and paying, and we're meeting in little schools with a hundred people because some of y'all decided, you know, you don't want to come to the school. You were too good to meet us in the South Bronx or meet us wherever we were. I ain't angry. I'm just saying. I'm not hurt. I, I let it go. But we were out to vacate and, and then, and then. We were out for six months and then for no reason at all, because of nothing at all that we did, the vacate got changed and we were allowed to come in for Easter Sunday. Do, do you remember that victory? So we were, <coughs> we got to stand here and say we're in because he's alive. All right, verse 13. And so Elijah said to her, so Elijah's bold. He's full of faith right now. He tells her, listen, listen, listen. Do not fear. Go and do like you said, but first make me a cake and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. Do you get that? He said, oh, that's all you got? All you got is that that little bit of flour left in the jar, that little bit of oil? Okay, go and do what you said, but first bake me a little cake. I'll be here waiting for it. Verse 14, he says, This is why he can say that. 
For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not go empty until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. So Elijah doesn't let the circumstances or the lack of provision change what God said. Take that, write it, make it a note. Elijah doesn't let the circumstances or the lack of provision change what God's word said. God said he made arrangements and you were going to feed me. So if that's all you got, and if you're willing to believe with me, and if you're willing to partner with the God of Israel, if you're willing to be used by God, then take what you have left and watch what God can do with it. Verse 15, and she went and did as Elijah said. See, she had a faith in God already, and she wanted, she desired to be used by God. And that's all God wants from us. And it says, and she and he and her household ate for many days. And the jar of flour was not spent, and neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Now, the rest of the story is amazing. Through through, through this season, God has been building Elijah up and getting him ready to step out in faith to do things that nobody has ever done. Even here with the widow, at one point the widow's son gets sick and the widow's son dies. And, and she comes to him and she says, come on, did, you bring, did, did God bring you here to punish me for my sin? My, my, my son is dead and Elijah spread himself out over the son and he interceded. And God brought this, his spirit back into his son, gave him life again. And, he, and, and, and so God used him and, and, and blessed her and, and and, and it was amazing, and God is doing big things, right? But the story really is about Elijah and how, how God is building him up and preparing him to do big things. And if you read on, and I encourage you to do that, starting in 1 Kings 17, Elijah goes back to Ahab, and he challenges him to a title fight of the gods. He said, let's bring them to a fight, your God and my God. Can you imagine how bold that is? I'm in your land by myself. Let's fight. You bring you and, and I'll bring my God. And let's have a, and he says, let, let, let's, you set up the ring. You bring, this is what he tells the king. You bring all 450 prophets of Baal. And you bring the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. And you meet me at Mount Carmel. I'm coming alone, just me and my God. And the fight was amazing. I love that passage. You should really check that out. He sets up two altars with a sacrifice on each and, 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 you know, stones and all. And then he says, the God that answers by fire, the God that consumes the sacrifice, he's the one true God. And guess what? I'll let you go first. And so the, the 450 prophets of Baal, I can imagine the demonic scene. They start, um, you know, crying out and chanting and praying and, and doing all kinds of boberias, all kinds of stupidness. And they're, and they're, and, and, but God's not hearing them. There's no fire. The sacrifice is still there, cold, and nothing's happening. And so the word says they start cutting themselves because, because Baal was a blood god. And so they start cutting themselves. And so imagine 450 and 450. 400, 850, 
people are cutting themselves and there's blood gushing and they're worshiping. And can you imagine the demonic, Derek, the demonic sacrifice that's happening here? Everybody's crying out and bleeding and crying out to their God. And Elijah's mocking them. Elijah says, I don't know, maybe, maybe you got to talk louder. Maybe your God is sleeping. Maybe he's watching Netflix. I don't know. Maybe he's busy. He's taunting them. He said, maybe he's busy. I don't know. But, and he, they, they, they let it go on the entire day. A whole day of just trying to sacrifice and trying to call down this God who's so powerful and so, and nothing happens. <coughs> they waste the whole day. Elijah comes one time. He says, you know what, before we even start, wait, wet this thing. He said, pour water over all the wood underneath the sacrifice. And so they do it. They said, that's silly. He said, do it again. And they do it. And he says, do it again. Three times he's saturated. So there's water dripping everywhere. Impossible to light a fire you, if you've ever tried with wet wood. But they've saturated three times to the, to the, the things around it are full of pools of water. And, and once he knows that it's in, in the natural, it's impossible to have a fire here. He prays once. God consumes the sacrifice. The rocks, the wood, the table, the bull, everything's gone. Everything's gone. And then all the prophets of Baal and Asherah are killed. Killed. And then he tells Ahab, go eat and drink because the rain is coming. Remember, he said, it's not going to rain till I say so. He says, go eat and drink because the rain is coming. So it's an incredible story, and God graciously proves again that there are no other gods that should be worshipped. And all these false gods and man-made idols and all, and, and are, are all phony. They're fake. They have no power. There's nothing to them. There are no gods but my God. And the people bow down, and they say, yes, Yahweh is the true God, but by next chapter, they'll forget it, just like we do. Amen? And we doubt God, and we... Test other false gods and other false notions in the next chapter of our lives. Amen? I know, not you guys. You're two good Christians. So the story is about how God used this prophet Elijah to warn and to eventually prove in such a powerful and dramatic way that Yahweh is God. But I want us to look at the widow. And, and, and as we close here, I just want to look at the widow. See, it's too easy to look at Elijah and count ourselves out. I don't know if I could compare myself to Elijah, if I could do some of the things that he did. If, I don't know if I could even, you know, just, just I, I know that God, you know, could do amazing things. I know that he can provide because he's provided for me. I know that he's gracious because he's been gracious to me. I know that he loves me because he's shown himself loving. I know that he's faithful because even when I'm not, he still is. But this widow, we don't even know her name. She's the widow of Zarephath. She gets her five minutes with God. And she makes it count. And we get to hear about it. She's no doubt had a hard life. She's a Gentile from the Baal-worshipping people who brought us Jezebel. She's a widow, so we know she lost her husband. She has a young son because if he was older, he'd be able to work and support her, but he, she has to feed him, so he's still a kid. He's still a baby. 
She's down to nothing. Whatever was left to her was not enough for her to live on and raise her family with. So she's down to the last scraping of flour in her jar and the last ounces of oil. And she's out gathering sticks to start the last fire so she can cook the last meal for her and her kid. And then she expects, as she tells Elijah, to die. She expects to starve to death. Can we relate to her a little today? She's a single mom who can't work because the kid is too young. She can't pay her bills. She has no one she can call. There's no other family. She has no one that wants to help her. She's probably skipped a few meals lately just to make even this little bit last. But at this point, she knows she can't stretch it any further. And it sounds like she's about to give up. Why does God choose to use this widow to feed his prophet? Could it be that somehow in the training and in the building of Elijah, God, the word doesn't tell us, by the way, so this is just speculation. Could it be that in this training and building of Elijah, God hears the cries of a Gentile woman who lost her faith in, in, the, in the God that her people have handed down to her. And she's looking for something real. And God decides if she's willing to be used, I'll save her in Elijah's story. If she's willing to give me the little that she has, I'll make her much in the kingdom. Every time someone tells this incredible story of how Elijah took on the false god and won, they'll have to mention the widow of Zarephath. She's willing to make her five minutes count, and she did. She has very little but she's willing to put what she has into God's plan. Are we talking to anybody today? It's interesting how God did this miracle because the jar never had abundance in it. It was never overflowing, but it was never empty. So every day, Elijah and the widow would have to look into the jar and they would be just a little bit at the bottom, just enough, with just enough oil, and they would make their breakfast with it. And it only had a handful in it, but each time they went there, there was always enough. It was never full, but it was never empty. Family, when, when we're willing to be used by God, whatever it is we have, we make it useful in God's plan. And we can, he can take the little and he can use it again and again and again and again and again. Has anybody seen that in their lives? He can take the little and he can use it again and again and again. Family, that goes with our finances. I'm not taking an offering. Relax. When we put God first in our finances, when we partner with him, he can take the little that we have and it becomes useful and we make our five minutes count. 
start to, start to tick that down. Because I, I want you to kind of feel the weight of that. That's a little scarier, isn't it? It's something when you know you only have five minutes, but it's something when you know you have less than five minutes. So when we partner with God, we take the little that we have and it becomes useful. We make our five. That, that has been our bank account this past year. Before, before the tree hit and before all that, we had all this money in the bank and we thought we were like, you know. I didn't tell other churches because I didn't want to sound like, like a jerk. You know, oh, you guys are poor. We have like 150 grand in the bank. Yeah, and we bought this building. Yeah, and we pay, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy because I know that anything, you, you understand? I know that it's all by the grace of God. It's not because we're smart. It's not because we're better. And it's not because it's, it's the grace of God that we are where we are, that we have what we have. But this past season, we've, it, that's not the situation. This past season, we've spent over $200,000 in this fiasco. Building and paying fines, and we still... The bank account is not overflowing at this point, but it's not empty. See, God uses us, and, and God uses us, and you, God uses us to do that. Amen? Some people always say, I don't make enough to give a tithe. When I make a little more, I'll give. That's a bad idea. It's not about having enough to give. It's about giving to have enough. Oh, I just want to sit down on that one. It's not, a, it's not about having enough to give. It's about giving to have enough. That goes for our, our service. When we pour ourselves out, their family, you know, you might not hear, we don't cry about it here a lot, but there are needs in this church. Some people think, you know, we all get paid and all this money, we all get paid this money to do all this work. And so I, I can leave my coffee on the floor and spill because somebody gets paid to clean it. Really? And I can leave this, oh, it's too hot, and so we should have more, and so somebody will get paid to pay the air conditioning, and somebody will get paid to put this, and somebody, you know, and we have this mentality, oh, and if we don't show up, I want to take a couple of weeks off, you know, it's fine, somebody else will pay the mortgage, somebody else will pay the bills. You know, we have this mentality, and it's kind of an entitlement mentality. I'm, I'm sorry, am I hitting hard? But it's, 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 you know, we think... Oh, the church, we, we, we kind of got a, a hit when they closed our doors. And we said, wait, we thought the church was always going to be there. We thought we'd always have that building. What do you mean we're meeting in an auditorium in a school? That's whack. We don't even fit in there. I'm not comfortable there. I, I'm not coming. Pastor, tell me when the doors open. I'll meet you at the church. You know how many people told me that? Really encouraging for a pastor to hear that. I, I'll meet you when we open the doors. So be, but there's all kinds of needs. Some people, you know, that, that, that's, that's not how the body works. Amen? Just so you know, I'm the senior pastor right now, and I, I work a full-time job. I don't want to, but for right now, that's where God has us. Amen? If you're part of the body, make it matter. Sign up today to do something. This means that something that, you know, that God's been kind of, Oh, you know, every time they make an announcement for children's ministry, you feel that, oh, not me, I hate kids. Uh, or, you know, you, you, no, no, not me, I ain't cleaning no floors. I got to clean the whole house at home. I'm not coming to church to clean. I got to clean toilets at home. I'm not cleaning toilets here. And, you know, we have all these things, but, but, but you know, there's that one thing that God is calling you. Come on, man, this has to, 
There's a housekeeping ministry right now. You know, all of like a person and a half is in it. You know, and that person could only come Tuesdays on leap year. Like we need, you understand, there's, there's needs, and there's needs in the body. Sign up to do something today. It's not about having enough to give. It's about giving to have enough. Worship team, you guys could come up. People are getting desperate. See, this is the place that God wants to bring us all to. He wants his Elijahs and his widows to learn to trust him in every circumstance, regardless of what appearances may suggest. So family, I just want to drop that on you today. What are you doing with your five minutes? What are you doing that's going to count? You could store up and store up and you could have the latest car and you could have the lease every year. So it's a, you get a new car every, every three years and you could have the best house on the block and you could be saving for the bigger house because you want the bigger house. And you could be saving for the other car because you want the car that, that the neighbor has and, and, the, and the next motorcycle or the next this. And we could, you know, we could be storing up and storing. What are you doing that's going to last? What are you doing in your five minutes that is going to... Are you running around the ring waiting for the time to pass? Or are you going to fight and wrestle for good and make it matter? And make a difference in some kid's life. Make a difference in some young people's life. Amen? So listen, as we close in prayer and you've seen that clock tick and tick. And I, I just want you to have that picture in your heart. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm not trying to pressure you. But I am trying to stir you to action. I am trying to stir you to be used by God. There is no, the Christian life is so boring if you don't do anything. It's so boring. Let's come to church and sit and watch these people for an hour and a half. Holy boring. Unless God is doing something in your life. When you're doing, when you're stepping out, when you're taking risks, when you've been in a chokehold for the last four minutes and you're just thinking and thinking, how am I going to get break free from this hold? How am I? Come on, some of you are in that pattern right now. There's still three minutes left and you've been in a chokehold for the first two. <laughs> and you're trying not to get tapped out. You're trying not to, to, to get finished and God, if you would just trust me with something, if you would just take part, if you would just be part of the body, the church doesn't need an audience. The world's already watching us. And the, and the, the words, Jesus said, they'll know us by the way we love each other. If we can't get along with us and with the church up the block and with the neighboring church, if we can't get along, then, then we, we lost it. Then go to the movies on Sunday. Don't come here. Go to the beach and watch the ocean. Hopefully God can touch you there. I believe he can. But don't waste your time in church if you're not doing anything. I hope like church is not empty next week. I'll be upset. <laughs> but I'm trusting God. Amen? I'm trusting God that God's going to stir us. Because this walk is whack when you're not active. If, when you're moving, God speaks. When you take a step of faith and you watch God provide, it's amazing. When you're not doing anything, it's a spectator sport. And it's boring. It's watching a couple of people just skip around all day. 
and you're watching Ephraim skip around here during worship <laughs> with an occasional, you know. And you're watching me walk back and forth. And you're watching Mark pray, walk back and forth, angry. But you're not in it. That's whack. But when you're in it, and you're expecting that the next song is going to minister to your need. And you're expecting that the word is exactly the word that you needed to hear. And you're expecting that when, when there's prayer going on here, that that prayer is doing something that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Then the whole game changes for you. Come on, let's change the game. Can we, can we come up and can we... Uh, just change our position. Can we just, if you need to, if you need to come forward, if you need to say, God, you know, I'm giving, if you need to bring your little jar of oil to the front, come, come bring it. If all you got left is a little flower and you want that thing multiplied, then come to the front and bring it and worship. If all you have is, all I got is a little bit of time, but God, I want to give you that little bit of time and serve and do something. I want to mop a floor. I want to help a kid. I want to chase around a kid that needs to be chased around because we love him. I want to start a men's ministry. I want to support the women's ministry. I want a marriage ministry. I want to be part of these things. I want. We can't do more without you. So if that's you and you're tired of the Christian spread, get up. And let's, let's come make some commitments this summer. Amen? Amen? This is a weird time to make commitments, but let's make some commitments this summer. Let's say, God, when we start this thing, I'm, I'm in. I'm in it. My finances, my service, my time, I'm in it, God. And then I know that I'll, I'm, some, I might not be overflowing, but I'll never be empty. Come on. altar is open. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we're prepared to give everything and nothing less, Lord. Let's just sing this song and make it your prayer today.
all we want is you, Lord God. If all you want is him, can you lift your hands up? Can you just confirm to him and say, Lord, all I need is you. All I, all I need is you, Lord. I am yours, Lord. Do what you will with my life today, Lord. I might be a knucklehead from time to time, Lord. But Lord, speak to me and remind me, Lord, that you got me. Family, you are blessed. If you're like me and you're frustrated because you believe that God has called you to even more and to greater things, then I want to encourage you to be here when these doors open. Because God is doing something incredible. God is doing something amazing. And it's just not with a select few, but it's with all of you here today. And there's a specific calling, whether it's to come together as a congregation or it's to do something that God, God is doing something. And I'm frustrated because I know that God is calling us to higher things, to greater things. And not for us, but for him. So you have a calling on your life. And even though you may think that you're half full or you may not be full, but you're not empty. And if you're willing to give that to God, you'll never run dry today. Can we bless the Lord? Can we bless the Lord this morning? You are blessed. Continue to be a blessing. Have a wonderful week. Remember, just give it to him and he'll use it. He can use you. God bless you.